So man, that is a video that makes you think about and get excited for summer, right? I can't believe it feels like because our kids have been out of school that it's been summer for like 12 weeks, but actually not until 14 days from today does summer actually begin. I cannot tell you how good it is to be speaking to people instead of a camera. So listen, smile today. I need someone to smile at me. If I say something even halfway funny, laugh, laugh loud. If I say something good, say amen. Like it is so good to have you back in the room today. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and turn to Psalm chapter one, and you might bookmark the book of Psalms in your Bible, entering a brand new series today, somewhere in the Psalms that you just heard about. Today, I'm calling Psalm one part one, because we'll be in Psalm one for two weeks. Today in Psalm chapter one, we're really just going to give an overview of the entire book of Psalms, which Psalm chapter one does. And then next week, we'll come back to Psalm one and we'll just go verse by verse through the teaching. So today, the big idea of the book of Psalms, next Psalm, uh, the book of Psalms, next week, kind of the verse by verse of Psalm chapter one. So we're going to live in this um, for about two weeks. Remember, our church is now open for gathering tomorrow morning, Monday morning prayer. Some of you who are at home are going to feel a little more comfortable coming to our smallest ministry events first. Monday morning prayer um, has been one of those. It may be a little bigger now that people haven't been able to pray for such a long time. But 6 a.m. tomorrow, uh, we'll be here for Monday morning prayer. We invite you to join us all over our building for prayer. Student ministry kicks off this Wednesday night. Our senior high will be here. Our middle school will be off-site, and then they will flip-flop at least through the month of June. And remember, any day you can come pray in the building between 11 to 1. We've got prayer environments set up where you can come take communion and just spend time uh, in prayer over your lunch break if you're looking for kind of a way to kind of get back into the church but without dozens or hundreds of people joining you. Hey, before we dig into Psalm chapter 1, let me, let me brag on our church a little bit. Because today's June 7, today's the first time in 90 days that we have gathered together. Today's the first time in the month of June we've gathered together. But our ministry is like up and going strong. And that's because of the ways that you are giving. Uh, we finished May once again with more money coming in than going out in May. And as we went through the online season, that really was our goal. We have to figure out a way to spend less than we bring in. Your faithfulness in giving has just been tremendous. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, and it is making a tremendous impact. We said this year, starting June 1, because of the season that we've been in, that we're going to have an entire summer of serving, and if you've not had a chance to sign up to serve yet, I want you to text Journey Serve to 474747. Here's what we accomplished in the first week of June. You ready? I want to brag on our church a little bit, because your giving made this happen. So far in the month of June, our church has already served 160 hours of community service in our community. More than 50 hours last week heart and hand ministry, getting clothes ready to distribute to the underserved community um, in Belton. We handed out 3,000 pounds of fresh produce at our church on Monday in less than 30 minutes, 120 boxes of fresh produce. Uh, a lot of people in our area are getting most of their food in this season at food pantries, but they don't have fresh produce at food pantries. So to be able to supplement the canned food and some of the dry food that they're getting at food pantries every Monday at 2 p.m., Every Monday this summer at 2 p.m., we'll be distributing 3,000 pounds of fresh produce. We've served lunches with cold water uh, ministry this week. Truman Medical Center actually came and set up their mobile unit and did their testing for symptomatic COVID people in our parking lot um, this week. So we, we were part food pantry. We were part hospital. Um, the ministry that went on, we had a group of 12 men that went and served one of the older families in our congregation doing yard work for them and transitioning their yard 
hard from winter to getting it ready for summer, 160 hours served already just in the first six days of June. And because of your generosity and your giving, we were able to make a $10,000 gift to the Hope Center of Kansas City, which serves the vulnerable. Yeah, you can put your hands together for that. Which, which serves the vulnerable children, middle school and high school students around the 31st in Linwood area. They have a K through four school. They have a preschool, uh, but their big deal is after school tutoring, leadership, discipleship for vulnerable families downtown. And because of your generosity, because of your giving, when they reached out to us and said, our major fundraisers have been canceled because of the season and COVID, can you help? We said, we absolutely can. We want to help. We want to help in a major way. We're six days, seven days as of today into June. And our church has already served 160 hours of community service. That's four people whose full-time job it would be to just help people in our community. And we've given away $10,000. That is because of you. So from the bottom of my heart, the bottom of our ministry team's heart, those of you at home that have been going strong with us, thank you, thank you, thank you. Before we ever jump into scripture at our church, we like to just pause and pray and ask God to bless what we're doing. Um, so as we get ready to do that, let me say this before we pray. Uh, for those of you who say, hey, I would like to be involved in what we're doing, let me back up um, one slide. This week, our ministry partner is Rachel House. Uh, Rachel House is a crisis pregnancy center that has homes in Independence and Lee Summit. They're helping young gals who have gotten pregnant and want to keep and have their babies, but they need some help. Um, if you will text journey serve to 474747, our project this week, you don't have to be around anyone. Our project this week is to collect items to build a gift bag for the mothers that come into Rachel's house that they give them when they come in because the next 18 years of their life will all be about their kids. So we want this to be about the mothers. If you say, I want to make a difference, even those of you at home, I want to make a difference, not ready to be around people. Text this number 474747. Two words, journey, serve. They'll connect you to the Rachel House link. You can go shop in the next two days and just bring a bag and drop it off at church. You don't even have to come inside. I hope we serve the mothers of our community well um, who say, I just need someone to fight for me. I'll fight for my baby if someone will fight for me. So that's our opportunity this week. Um, let's pray for that opportunity, this service, our reopening, and then let's jump into Psalm 1 today. Would you bow your heads with me? Oh, and would you take that deep breath that uh, maybe you haven't taken since we were together on March 8th? And if you're a praying person, would you just ask God to speak to you today? Just whisper that prayer from your heart to God. Say, speak to me today, Lord. God, that's our prayer. Speak to us today. God, thank you for the opportunities that we've had to serve our city this week. We are so grateful to be in a position to help. Today, God, as we study Psalm 1, deepen our faith, deepen our walk with you. Help us live with great impact for our world for Jesus this summer. God, we ask that you would continue to heal the broken hearts and lives of our community and nation as the nations rage. We ask that you'd bring miraculous healing to the coronavirus pandemic. Be with all of those continuing to work on the front lines in this time. And God, use this time, our time today, stopping to worship and be in church. Use this time to strengthen our faith so we might be useful in the world. We love you. And God, we ask these things today in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. As we begin a three-month journey today to begin to study the Psalms, here are, here are the goals of this morning to kick off our summer. Number one, um, I want you to determine your desired rate of spiritual growth this summer. As you look at the summer of 2020, what is your desired rate of spiritual growth? Because here's what I can promise you. The Psalms, the Psalms, learning the Psalms will deepen your faith. But they will only deepen your faith in the amount 
that you will surrender part of your life to Jesus to deepen. And if you look at the title of our message today, spade, shovel, or backhoe, you get to decide which tool Jesus is going to use. Here's uh, what I mean by that as we talk about deepening your faith. Some of you say, this is about how much room I'll give Jesus in my heart. I want Jesus, I want Jesus to deepen my faith, but I really don't want him to mess anything up. I have a few weeds that I'd like to be pulled, but I'd like him to be very strategic. I have some flowers I'd like to be planted. Um, Jesus, I want you to deepen my faith this summer, so Jesus, um, use this. If this is all you will give Jesus, if the only room you will give Jesus to strengthen your faith is a little spade, your faith will get deeper, but just about this deep. Others of you say, no, I, w- I want to go deeper than that. I'm going I'm to give Jesus a shovel. Um, because I need, to, I need to go deeper than, than surface deep. So I, I need Jesus to do enough work. I need Jesus to do some work in the hard areas of my life where he actually has to put his full weight on something in, in my heart and work on me. I, I need Jesus to do a little more. So Jesus, I'm, I'm going to give you a shovel. Jesus, I want to grow in my faith this year so you have permission to go this deep. Some of you are going to use a spade. Some of you are going to use a shovel. But some of you um, might be ready to use a backhoe. Um, a backhoe is going to go really deep, but it's going to be really messy. It's not only going to dig where it means to dig, it's going to disturb a lot of dirt around it. And I asked our team this week, I said, I want you to get me the biggest backhoe that you can figure out how to get into the doors of this church on this stage so people can understand what a backhoe is. Um, And here's what they brought me. (laughs) So you'll have to use your imagination a little bit. Gabe back there. Um, You might have to get this for those that didn't wear their glasses. They probably can't even see this. For those of you at home, I hope you can see this. Y'all know what a backhoe is, right? They're much larger than this. Um, I actually don't even know if this is technically called a backhoe. It looks more like it's front ways. But but anyway, some of you this summer might be willing to throw the keys to the backhoe to Jesus and say, just dig dig up whatever you need to dig up. And I know it's going to get messy, and I know it's going to get uncomfortable, and I know nothing will look the same after you've hit my life with the backhoe. But Jesus, I want you to deepen my faith in a way you've never deepened my faith before. See, my my goal today is for you to figure out, for you sitting at home in your living room, my goal today is for you to like do an inventory and check in your heart and say, how much do I want to grow? Um, How much do I want to grow? You will determine the amount that Jesus will dig into your heart. But I can guarantee you, you will grow in the Psalms. You say, why is that? Because the second thing I want to show you today is is I want to show you how to evaluate the Psalms in a manner that helps us grow. I want you to see what we can only see when we study the Psalms that helps us evaluate where our faith can grow, needs to grow, and will grow. We're going to start our journey today in Psalm chapter 1. As we read Psalm chapter 1, here's what we read. Just six short verses will be here today, and we'll be here next week as well. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers, not so the wicked. They're like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Spade, shovel, or backhoe. 
What does Jesus get to use on your heart this summer? Spade, clean some things up. Shovel, dig deep. Backhoe, you can disturb everything. I know you'll put it back better than the way you found it. What does Jesus get to use on your faith this summer? Two areas of growth that we're going to see all summer long as we look through the Psalms. The first is this. The first area where we're really going to grow is we're going to deepen our theology. We're going to deepen our theology. The word theology is actually made up of two words. The word theos and the word logos. Theos means God. Logos or lagos means knowledge. So when you look at the word theology, you're talking about the knowledge of God. In a broader perspective, you could say your theology is your spiritual worldview. Your theology is is not just how you see the world, but it's how you see the world through the lens of how you see God. So your theology is your spiritual worldview, and the book of Psalms will shape and deepen your theology, but only if you study the entire thing. Because when we look at Psalm chapter 1, Psalm chapter 1 builds a very shallow, very unsafe theology without the other 149 Psalms. As we look at Psalm chapter 1, here's what you need to know. We need to see Psalm chapter 1 as a premise more than a promise. Because as a promise, it's a, very, it's, a very, it's a very shallow understanding of Christianity. Because it appears to say, if you follow Jesus, if you read the Bible, everything in your life is always good. Everything in your life will always be blessed. Everything in your life will always prosper. It appears to say that. And if you don't read the rest of the book of Psalms, that's exactly what it says. It also says, if you don't follow God, don't read your Bible. Everything is going to go bad. Everything is going to be cursed. If we see Psalm 1 as a promise, we will have a very, very shallow spirituality. And as you live your life, you'll be tempted to walk away from God because it won't appear that the shallow theology of just Psalm chapter 1 is true. So we need to see it as a premise where the psalmist is saying, my understanding going into a relationship with God is that he would make everything better, he'd make everything blessed, he'd make everything prosperous, and that if I stayed away from wicked, the bad things wouldn't happen to me. That was my understanding. But then as I began to live life, I learned about life and I learned how to worship anyway. Psalm 1 is kind of an overview. It's a premise of the things that we'll be looking at. Are good people really blessed? Are bad people really cursed? Now, when I was growing up as a redneck and Southern Ohio, we played a game that, um, because I'm in, in church, I'll, I'll call bovine manure. Um, it was a game where, like, you would say things to people, and it might be true or it might not be true, and if it wasn't true, you would say something that, that Christians shouldn't say, but redneck Christians do say. I'm not saying it's right, but I'm saying it's real, and if you figured out the name of the game, you have proved redneck Christianity um, is real. For the sake of church today, because some of our kids are with us, we're going to call the game not true. So you say things, and and if you say something that you think is not true, you say not true. If you talk to any follower of Jesus in their 40s or 50s who's walked with Jesus for more than a decade, and you say to them, if you become a Christian and read your Bible, everything is good, everything is blessed, nothing goes wrong, they're going to say not true not true so there's got to be some depth to our theology that gets beyond i come to jesus for what he can give me because everything is always good you see as we go through life here's what we're going to learn spiritually here's what the psalms are going to reveal for us that when life shakes your spiritual worldview you have two choices your first is to quit go 
hey, I came to faith in Jesus, so everything would go good. Everything is not going good. I'm out. Shallow. It's a shallow spirituality. Came to Jesus, so everything would go good. When everything doesn't go good, I'm out. I go. I quit spiritually. I walk away. Your other option is to grow. Grow deeper spiritually. When life begins to shake our worldview spiritually, when, when we hear that Jesus blesses, but then life indeed does curse, we quit or we grow deeper spiritually. You can go or you can grow. You will not stay the same. Let me say it again. When things happen like have happened in our country the last two weeks, followers of Jesus, they either get out or they get in deeper, but they don't stay the same. And Psalm 1 builds this premise that to really walk with God, your faith is going to have to be more than surface deep. How deep you decide? Maybe a little deeper? Maybe, if you can use your imagination, maybe much, much deeper. When life is shaking, honestly, when life is shaking like it's been shaking, I don't know of any other book to live life in than the book of Psalms. I think it's the greatest book in the world when everything feels unsettled to study and figure out who God is and why it's worth growing deep spiritually when life begins to shake. So Psalms is going to deepen our theology. But here's the reason we want to deepen our theology. Number two, so we can deepen our personal walk with Jesus. Like That's the whole point of all this. As followers of Jesus, we want to get deeper in our personal walk with Jesus. Now, I hear people say all the time, man, I... Um, I would just love to spend one day with Jesus, an entire day with Jesus. And every time I hear people say that, I say, which one? Which one? They say, what do you mean? So we got three years of Jesus' ministry in the Bible. Which one of the days are you talking about? Because you might be talking about a day that doesn't exist, like when you wake up and he like feeds you breakfast and then like plays some songs on the guitar and leads some worship for you and then teaches the greatest Bible study you've ever had and then he goes and heals all your friends and then he does some miracle to wow you and then like he sings a lullaby so you can go to sleep. Like that day with Jesus is not in the Bible. Walking with Jesus is actually much more difficult, filled with much more strife, much more tension, much more conflict, much more heartache. Actually, it ends at the cross. It ends in a graveyard. Like, yes, I want to spend a day with Jesus too, but let's not sugarcoat that 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 means life is easy. Because Jesus didn't say, take up your cot and follow me. He said, take up your cross and follow me. It's interesting, in John chapter 6, Jesus had one of these days with his disciples, one of these go or grow days. John chapter, if you ask me, Christian, what day would you like to spend with Jesus? If I get to pick a day other than the resurrection of Jesus, the day I would want to spend with Jesus is John chapter six, when Jesus miraculously feeds 12 to 15,000 people with just a little lunchable. And then he walks on water, miraculously gets the boat from the middle of the lake to the far shore back to Capernaum. But I would want to go to bed at midnight and not wake up the next day because the next day was chaotic. The next day, the people who Jesus fed found him on the other side of the lake, and they said, we really like what you give to us. Give us some more. And he said, the best thing I can give you is me. It's a relationship with me. The best thing I can give you is is me, a relationship with me. And they said, we're not interested in that. We want the food. And Jesus said, "If if you don't want me, the food will never satisfy you. 
And they said, then we're out. And a crowd, imagine a pastor who on Sunday has a church of 15,000 people. And by the time he goes to bed Tuesday, it's a couple dozen again. That was Jesus. And in John chapter 6, after everyone left, Jesus didn't cry and say, what happened to our church? He looked at the few who were remaining and he said in John 6, 67, you, you want to go too? You out too? He didn't hedge at all. He wasn't here to attract crowds. He was here to attract followers. And when life starts shaking, followers grow, they don't go. He said, do you, do you want to go too? And I love what Peter responded in John 6, 68, 69. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. I love what Peter said. Jesus said, do you want to go too? Peter didn't say yes or no. Peter said, what are the other options? What are the, what are the other options? We've come to believe that you're the Savior. And that your words, your ways, your directions, the things you tell us, that those are the things that are going to give us a full life now and an eternal life later. Where else are we going to go? Hey, at the end of the day, Jesus, we're with you. Jesus is looking for followers that on their best days and worst days are saying at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I'm with Jesus. I'm with Jesus. When the world is shaking, when everything is good, I'm with Jesus. There's no other options that compare to Jesus. I am with Jesus. At the end of the day, I'm with Jesus. Which leads us to the key question, really, of life, of the summer, but, uh, but certainly just of all of life. Do setbacks in life cause you to want to step away spiritually or step up spiritually? Be honest. When things get difficult, lean into Jesus, lean away from Jesus. When things get hard, lean into your church family, lean away from your church family. When things start shaking spiritually and the shallow theology of if you just follow Jesus, everything will be okay, doesn't appear true on that day. Do you lean in or do you lean out? That is the journey through the book of Psalms. But that's one that takes probably more than this tool. You know, I don't know if you saw it. Mike Tyson, who's 53, um, is considering a comeback. For those of you who grew up in the area that I grew up in, you're like, I would love to see him hit somebody. Um, I've got two like super memorable moments, like the first prize fight I ever remember seeing in 1988. I was 10 years old. We drove an hour to my Uncle John's house to watch Mike Tyson fight for 91 seconds. That's all it took him to knock out Michael Spink. Some of you remember that fight. Years later in college, my teammates and I went together to buy the pay-per-view of Mike Tyson fighting Evander Holyfield when he bit his ear off. Like Those are two moments in my life that I'll never forget. Leading into that fight, people thought Evander was a better fighter and they was going to get the best of Tyson. And somebody asked him, we know you've got all this power, but Holyfield has this great plan. What do, what do you plan to do with the plan he has for you? And he gave this famous quote that he's known for. He said, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Some of us had a plan spiritually for 2020. And holy cow, we have taken a right hook. 2020, the year of perfect vision, 2020, bovine manure. Like I call not, I call not true that 2020 is a year where everything is clear. I call not true, not true. 
Not for me. Man, life has punched us in the mouth. What are, you, what are we going to do? Are we going to step in? We're going to step away. Those of you outside, step in. Not inside the building. Feel free to stay out there. <laughs> step away. Those of you sitting in your living rooms right now, 2020 has been different, I promise you, than you planned. Step in. Step out. Step away. Step up. Do we go or do we grow? And how deep do we grow? Spade, shovel, or backhoe? I found my prayer um, during the season of coronavirus. You ever pray a prayer that in hindsight you think, I shouldn't have prayed that? I found my prayer the 13 weeks that we were in this coronavirus season. I often prayed on my knees with my hands open. And I would just say, Jesus, I I just surrender. I just want to surrender everything to you. I just want to surrender everything to you. Like I was tossing him the keys to the backhoe. And I feel like he started it and ran over me. Like it's like, hey, I was hoping for more of a like a like a big hole in my heart that could be filled, and you have laid me flat. Maybe no time more than last Saturday, Danielle and I had been with our kids in South Carolina, getting a little time away before the reopening rush of this summer. We were driving back across the country. I'm sitting in my hotel room. Uh, earlier in the week, I had watched a uh, police officer keep his knee on a man's neck for nearly nine minutes with his hand in his pocket and a smirk on his face until he was dead right there in the street before a crowd. And then Saturday I watched protests turn to riots all over the country. Danielle and I that day drove through Atlanta. We drove through Chattanooga. We drove through Nashville and every city we had to figure out which route to go through that wasn't closed. Police cars flying through the streets in Atlanta. Ambulances lining all the exit ramps in Chattanooga. Police helicopters circling city center Nashville. Thinking, what is happening? As we got home and watched the news that night of everything that was unfolding, I made a statement that turned into a kind of a prayer that turned into a personal challenge. I was watching the news and I, and, I, and I said this to myself. As I focused on what had happened earlier with George Floyd and I focused on the rage in our country, I just thought this. Here's what I thought to comfort myself. I thought, you know, one day when Jesus is in charge, the world won't be like this. One day when Jesus is in charge, the world won't be like this. And then I shifted it, sitting on the edge of the bed in a hotel room. One day when Jesus is in charge, the world won't be like this. And then I thought this. Man, if Jesus was in charge of the world now, it wouldn't be like this. If Jesus was in charge of the world now, it would not be like this. And the Holy Spirit took that chance to pounce on me and say, Christian, that's a great thought. Let's start with you. The only way the whole world can have Jesus in charge is if you do, because you're part of the world. So let's start with you. What are you going to do? And I began to backpedal like Moses, right? Lord, I don't don't think I'm the guy to do anything. Like, I don't don't think I can can do anything. But the Lord says, sure you can. As the Lord, even if I... um, 
Like, even if I, even if I could do, like, I wouldn't know what to say. I don't, like, I don't, I don't think I'm the guy. And I got to the point like Moses where I said, frankly, Lord, if I could just be vulnerable with you, I'd rather not be the guy right now. Man, I'm a white pastor from Kansas City. Maybe if I was in Minnesota, I mean, sure, that would make sense. But God, I'm a white, like, I'm a white pastor in Kansas City. I don't think I'm the guy. And God said, hang on. Are you Guatemalan? And I said, no, sir. I call God sir when I can tell I'm in trouble. No, 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 sir. And God said, are you responsible for or accountable for the poverty and the lack of education and the lack of clean water and the lack of medical care in the mountains of Guatemala? Is that your fault? I said, Lord, I don't think so. And God said, but you're doing something about it. Yeah. God said, are you a Jewish refugee from Russia and Romania in northern Israel? No, sir. But you've made seven trips there. And you give money every month to make sure that when they arrive, because they've been run out of their country with nothing but the clothes on their back and a passport in their hand, like you make sure they, they have furniture and clothes in a community. I mean, Right? Haven't you done something about that? Yeah. So are you doing it because it's all your fault? No, I just, I want to, I just want to help them see Jesus. Christian, are you an African? Are you an Indian? No, sir. But we're, but we're taking care of orphans there and the underprivileged. We're helping people. Is that because you somehow feel like it's your fault? I don't think so. I just, I just see the need and feel like we should do something. Christian, are you part of the underserved community in Kansas City that doesn't have food, fresh produce? No. Is it your fault that those things are happening? I don't think so. Why have you chosen to help? Because my, my eyes see it. My heart feels it. And I think we can make a dent for Jesus. And God said, what's different? Why would you fly around the world to help people but not say anything to those in your backyard? Because you're a white pastor from Kansas City. Just start by telling people how you feel. So I sent out a video on Monday and just said, I'm, um, I'm lamenting. I probably wasn't strong enough. I'm lamenting the sin and brokenness in our world. I'm lamenting the racism that still exists in our world, but racism is sin. The underlying theme of racism is sin. I'm lamenting that some people in authority abuse their power. Again, that is ultimately sin. And I'm lamenting, James says, if you see the good you can do and you don't do it, that's sin too. I'm lamenting that maybe my eyes haven't been opened, my heart hasn't felt, my hands haven't been involved. Lord, I'm, I'm lamenting those things. I'm lamenting and I'm praying and I'm listening. At the point that I shot that video, I had only thought through making a statement, not making a difference. I just need, I knew I needed to tell our community, our church cares. I was making a statement, 
with not a follow-up plan to make a difference until I sat down with Pastor Mike. And he saw my video and he said, um, you know, your last point, you said you were going to listen. Who are you listening to? And I said, what, like, what do you mean? He said, well, you said you're going to listen. Who are you listening to? Surely you're not telling people to listen to movements. You're not telling people to listen to like mainstream media. You're not telling people to like listen to social media. So who, who are we listening to? And I said, I haven't, honestly, I haven't thought that far yet, Mike. But as I thought about that, I thought I, I need to, I said I was listening. I need to listen. So I reached out to 10 or 12 African-American friends and leaders in our city. And I said, here's a video I sent out to our church today. What I get right Where did I miss? I feel like God has opened my eyes that this is a problem in our backyard. I don't know how to help. Will you help me? And then I spent the rest of the week, hours and hours and hours of conversation with black families in our church, dads, grandpas, moms, teenagers, kids, black principals in our school systems, black coaches and teachers in our city, Spent three hours in the driveway with a black police officer. Just learning to see, see things the way that I think Jesus wants me to see them. Hours on the phone with black pastors in our community. And as the black pastors in our community just begin to unpack scripture. Not a movement. Scripture. They begin to remind me of verses like Luke chapter 4. The first message that Jesus ever preached. Jesus, why are you here? The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus said, I see the oppressed and I'm trying to do something about it. As followers of Jesus, I believe our job is to see with the eyes of Jesus. From Israel to Guatemala, to Africa, to India, to our neighborhoods. To see it, to see it like Jesus sees it. They help me see verses like Proverbs 31a, speak up for those who can't speak for themselves. Speak up for the rights of all who are destitute. So Christian, that's what followers of Jesus do. Those are the commands to followers of Jesus. So as I talked to these pastors, I said, will you help me? My eyes have not seen with the eyes of Jesus in this area. My heart has not felt with the heart of Jesus in this area. My hands are not engaged in ministry in this area. Will you help me? And they said, we'd love to. Starting June 28th, we'll have the first of those pastors in. And we're going to begin a series of Sundays that will run every couple months through the year, maybe into next year just called Racial Reconciliation Sundays, where we will ask pastors to come help us see with the eyes of Jesus, feel with the heart of Jesus, love with the hands of Jesus in a way that that we can't without somebody helping the scales fall off our eyes. You know, what's interesting is the reality of racial reconciliation is this. Racial reconciliation is already a spiritual reality because of the cross. Jesus is already united. People from every race, every nation, every tongue together to himself through the cross. Racial reconciliation is already a spiritual reality because of the cross. Wouldn't it be nice if it was a practical reality because of the church? Amen? It's already a spiritual reality 
We just have to take what we know and begin to practice it in better ways. Listen, church, listen to me carefully. Those of you at home, listen to me carefully. I'm not asking you to carry the blame for the systematic racism, for police brutality in certain areas. I'm not asking you to carry the blame for things you're not at fault for. But I am asking you to carry the burden because followers of Jesus see needs and meet needs. That's what we do. The cross has accomplished it. So the church goes to work on it. That's just the way that it works. Now this, by the way, this is a backhoe issue. You're not going to get there with the spade. You're not going to get there with the shovel. And when the backhoe dips its bucket in, it's going to disturb everything else. It's going to get messy. But when the master gardener Jesus puts it all back together, I promise you, it will be better than the state that it began in. Spade, shovel, backhoe. What does Jesus have permission to use in your heart in this season of life, in this summer, as we study the Psalms, we go deep in our theology so we can go deep in our walk when the world is shaking, when things offend us, when things hurt us, do we go or do we grow? That's the key question this summer, and I cannot, cannot, cannot wait to travel this path with you. You just need to know as I travel, I'll be driving one of these. And... We got room for everyone with one of these. You'll grow. We got room for everyone with a shovel. You'll grow. But boy, throw the keys to the backhoe to Jesus. Look out, but know that on the other side, your faith is going to be deep and rich. Your eyes are going to see what Jesus' eyes sees. Your heart is going to feel what Jesus' heart feels. And your hands will eventually, like they are in Israel, like they are in Guatemala, like they're already doing in Belton this week, with cold water this week with families living out of food shelters this week. What you are already doing, we're just going to do in even another area of brokenness and sin in our community that needs the hands of Jesus to lovingly come around it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you in Jesus' name that the cross of Christ has reconciled the world to you, people of every race, people of every ethnicity, every culture, every language. If that were not true, we would not be sitting here in our country speaking English, talking about Jesus, but the church just kept pushing over each boundary so that everyone might know the love of Jesus. If you're with us today, either here or in our online church campus, and you don't know Jesus, Today's the day to open your heart and your life to him by surrendering your sin, admitting your brokenness, asking forgiveness for your past, and giving Jesus control of your life. Coming to Jesus is trusting him to turn over the soil of your heart to make it brand new. And if you've never done that, then just very simply this morning, tell Jesus that you need him. Ask him to forgive you. Surrender your will to his spirit so that he might transform you from the inside out. You say, Christian, I don't know how to pray. Just pray after me. You don't have to pray it out loud, but just in your own heart, here, in your home, outside at our outdoor venue. Just pray this, Jesus. 
Just right where you are, pray this after me. Jesus, I need you in my life. Forgive my sin and brokenness. Heal me and make me brand new. I surrender my will to your spirit. Come into my heart and life and lead me spiritually. I'm committing by faith to follow you. If you just prayed that prayer, scripture says that heaven celebrates your new birth, your spiritual birth. We'd love for you to tell us in just a minute, but with heads still bowed and eyes still closed as we finish today, let me talk to the Christians. Let me talk to the Christians today. Those in the house, those in our family environments, those outside, those in your homes. One question, spade, shovel, or backhoe? How much room can Jesus have in your heart this summer? Spade, shovel, or backhoe? Will you accept the burden of seeing and loving and listening so that you can minister to the hurting and broken people, the hurting and broken institutions of sin in our community? If so, Christians, followers of Jesus, pray this prayer with me from your heart to God. Just say this, Jesus, I surrender all of me for all that you want of me. Let's pray it again, not out loud, but in your heart. Jesus, I surrender all of me for all that you would want of me. Pray this, show me how to see and feel and love like you. God, disturb all the dirt that you need to in our lives to deepen our faith. We know the finished product will be better than the starting ones to help us to endure strong when our earth shakes. Thank you for Jesus. Give us his eyes, his heart, his hands so that our community might know him like we do. We love you. And God, we ask these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen and amen. Hey, in the room, outside today, those of you watching online, if you made a spiritual decision today because we don't have paper and pens in your seats, we'd love for you to let us know about that. You can text the words Journey Connect" to 474747. Um, they will send you a card where you can give your name. If it's your very first time visiting with us, either here uh, or online, thanks for hanging out with us today. If you would text this, you can let us know you made a spiritual decision so we can reach out to you and follow up. Uh, You can also let us know that you're brand new um, so that we can minister well to you. I want to, at this time, invite our campus pastor and our band um, back to the stage as I turn our online church service back to those of you uh, in your home. I'm going to turn our online service back to our online host, but we hope to see you next week back here online or maybe in person, and we hope to maybe see you tomorrow morning for prayer at 6 a.m.